All right. Last time we ended with the preeminence of Christ. And uh, we've talked about it in a couple of these meetings on the seed. We're going to start right here. I've made the comment that Colossians is probably, uh, if you want to get into meat and potatoes of the word of God, this is meat and potatoes in, in, in what I understand right now. And in my understanding of Christ, this is meat and potatoes. Here's the power of this. I want you to uh, to take a look at this, and, and let's just pray that the Lord really open our hearts to the understanding that, that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church and that we see it in the person of Christ. In Colossians 1, Verse 15, it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, all creation. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence. He might have the preeminence. In all things, he might have the preeminence. And I mentioned last week, if you look at this, he's before all things, and by him all things that exist consist. So when you go back to the beginning, and we we dealt with this, Christ, the Word of God, in the beginning, created all things. Okay, so even natural man didn't have the ability to breathe, to think, to do anything without Him, even the natural. Everything in the natural, I believe, He put in motion. I may, I may be different than some people. Do I believe he's involved in everything in the natural? No, because his nature is not like natural man. Because in him creating man, he gave that man, if we could see it, I believe to a measure, he gave that man preeminence in the earth. So the natural man, the first man, till Jesus come, had authority in the earth. Now, we can debate his authority given to Satan. We can debate all these things. But the natural man had authority from the beginning. God gave him dominion, gave him authority, gave him the ability to, you know, we, we go back and read it, name the animals, to have dominion over the whole earth, uh, all, all the things he did. And that was in the natural man. So, so all of natural man came out of that man. We all know that, but it's very important. So, so his for you know preeminence deals with the foremost. So the so when you look at the natural man, it's foremost, I guess, would have went to its head, which was Adam. But what was different is Adam couldn't have even existed without Christ. He had no existence, no ability to be to be without Christ. So that's what's different, okay, even from the beginning. 
His ability to be depended upon God. He had no ability. Okay. So, so Christ came into man. The seed of God came into man, became a man. To be preeminent from the firstborn from the dead. To be preeminent from the dead. So, so our salvation is dependent upon him. Just like in the natural, our ability to breathe oxygen was dependent upon God, right? We couldn't even breathe oxygen. But we inherited everything of the first man. <laughs> you, you, you go into the first man and you find in the natural what you inherited. Sure you did, in the natural, as a natural man. But when Christ came into man and died there and rose out from the dead, he rose out from that creation. And here he's the preeminent one, the firstborn from the dead, from among the dead. He's not in the dead. He came into the dead. He became, to a measure, what man was. I, I don't believe he ever sinned because that's what the writer says. He that knew no sin became sin for us. But he came into man and he overcome man. Because had he not overcome man, I believe we would all we would still be bound in Adam. Because then, if Jesus hadn't overcome everything, right? We wouldn't have salvation. <laughs> We'd be stuck. Everybody follow me here, right? So now I come to his preeminence in the new creation. He, he comes out without you and me. He comes out. Before we're ever born again, he comes out from the dead. He's first born. Okay. So if I go back in type and shadow, and we've talked a lot about Isaac, if I go back in type and shadow and I consider Isaac in the Old Testament, God made the promises from Abraham to Isaac, right? Or through Abraham to Isaac, unto thy seed will I give this land. All this inheritance comes into Isaac. Now, if you study that out, I don't believe Isaac saw all the inheritance he was going to gain. Okay. Now maybe you did, but I, I'm just I'm just saying bear with me. The children of Israel possessed Isaac's inheritance. So Isaac has an inheritance that is passed on to Jacob, and it keeps going down the lineage of that seed. And finally, the children of Israel go in and possess it. And of course, you see. You see others like David's victory. If I go into the promises to Isaac and I come down to the to the name of Jacob, okay, everybody possessed the name of Jacob, Israel. His name become Israel, one man. And then you come into King David and you look at King David and he wins the victory. Now all of Israel possesses his victory. Do you know that? Not just David. So it doesn't just apply to David, it applies to the whole. 
Then you come into Solomon's reign. And you have uh, all of Israel possessing Solomon's reign, his, his kingdom, his wisdom, his understanding, his knowledge. It, it's all, if you could say it, contained in Solomon. But all of Israel is possessing what's there. They're, they're sharing in what's in Solomon. Now, when I, all this is in type and shadow because it's declaring Christ. See, see, not one of them, not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, or Solomon could fully declare Christ. They didn't have the, there were, all their victories, all their kingdoms, all their promises, all their, their whatever you want to say, could not fully declare him. And that's what Jesus says when he comes. He says, a greater than Solomon is here. So a greater one comes. A greater one in every measure, more, you, you know, greatness, uh, more satisfying, uh, the greatness of, of God's word, the perfection of God's word coming in that person. So that person comes into humanity to effectively deal with the missing of the mark and to rise out from the dead. Now that rising out from the dead is our salvation. Had he not risen out from the dead, we couldn't be saved. Because our salvation is based upon his resurrection. That's what it's based upon. Of course, it's based upon his death. It's based upon his burial. But that life that we receive is resurrected life. It's life out from the dead. Resurrected life is life out from the dead. And it's just understanding what the dead is. So, so when I say he has the preeminence, he's the first one that came out from the dead. All right. Now, here's the power of him. You and I can't individually come out from the dead because we don't have the power to. See, that's what some Christians, I believe, think, is that we're going to eventually come out from the dead like Jesus did. And I want to say to him, honey, you're coming out from the dead is Jesus. He is your coming forth from the dead. That's who he is. So, so my coming out from the dead is him. That's what it is. I come out from the dead in him. I come out from the dead by him. I come out from the dead through him. That's how it works. But myself over here, if I take myself, I can't get out from the dead no matter how hard I try. It's in him, through him, by him, and to him. That's what it is. <laughs> and, and somewhere you become okay with that because you, you find out 
He's enough. Okay. So, so when I look at preeminence, I look at this, I go, my Lord, this is, this is one of the most powerful things I see right now. It's really Dylan and me that he's firstborn from the dead, that he would have preeminence in the new creation. So I can't get in the new creation without him. Just like in type and shadow, none of Israel became Israel without Isaac. None of Israel became Israel without Jacob. They came in through Isaac. And they lived in what was promised to Isaac. Okay? Now, we're living in what's promised to Christ and what is Christ. So the power of what we're, we're in is more than the type and shadow, because that's just a type and shadow. This is a reality. Not a type and shadow, but a reality that we come to what's in Christ. That's what we come to. And we can only walk in what's in Christ as we know it. So I can't walk in what I don't know. I can't I don't have that ability because the ability's not in me. The ability's him. Now, now I want to be careful when I say that because Christ is in me, but I'm saying the ability to do it myself is not in me. That's what I'm trying to say. He's in me and all the ability of him's in me, but I have to know him. So my relationship with him is the utmost important thing there is. It's the utmost. So, so here, from the beginning, God had the desire when he was creating man for this thing to come forth. I believe from the very beginning, from before he ever made Adam, he had in his heart the desire of a people in Christ, in the image of God. Before man was ever on the earth. I don't think God ever messed up. Now, Adam failed. He came short of the glory of God, all that. But God's purpose never stopped because Adam failed. God's purpose was always in Christ. He chose us before the foundation of the world in Christ. His choosing was in Christ. The methodology of getting into Christ, was, is the cross. And to me, I believe it was before Adam ever fell. That was the methodology. Some people don't think it was, but I do. So part of me believes maybe the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of life, was the cross, was, was, was death. No, no natural man wants to die, I don't think, till he sees what he is. And when he, see, when he gets a good look at what he is, he starts hungering for salvation of God because he understands he's naked. He's not clothed with the nature of God. I believe that's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. Their eyes were open. And when their eyes were open, they understood they were naked. They were not clothed with the nature of God 
So what does God's presence do to you? It convicts you. It condemns you. It, it does all these things because we, we talk about these words, right standing righteousness, because you're not clothed with the right garment. <laughs> if I can say that, right? But when I receive Christ, he gives me a new garment a new clothing, a new identity. I don't know. I may not know much about it, but I have a new identity. As soon as I receive him, a new clothing is, is being put on me. Maybe it's already on me, however we want to say it, but, but my understanding of it's just not there. So I still walk around with bad understanding. So understanding comes through revelation of him. That's, I believe, the only way it comes. I believe that's why the Apostle Paul says he was declaring or preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, Paul was searching the Bible. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand her. He was searching the Scripture. But when he calls it the unsearchable riches of Christ, he couldn't figure it out. He couldn't figure it out. Okay? So what it took to happen to Paul is Christ had to be revealed in. And now he began to search the scriptures looking toward Christ being revealed, because all at once he realized the scripture declared Jesus. You know, before he saw that, he's probably like a lot of people thinking the scripture was declaring all kinds of things. But all at once he sees Christ, and I'm sure Paul's kind of like, oh my goodness, this is all him. But the beauty of salvation is we're in relationship to all that he has received. That's it. So all that he has, just like all Solomon had, is made accessible to the church. And that's why that's why this thing gets powerful. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him. The church, which is out from the dead. The body comes out just like the head does. Not only the head that comes out, but the whole body comes out. But in this relationship, it only comes out through him. Because we can't come out on our own. We have to come out in him. He has to bring us out. And now what we've come into is made known through him being revealed. So, so if I turn to 1 Corinthians 15, I was wanting to go to Genesis 1, but I, I, I won't for now. I have to save that, I guess. But I go to 1 Corinthians 15 and start at verse 35. And this is where a lot of people, I believe, myself, are, are, are just confused right here. Not in a bad way. Just don't understand. Maybe confused is the wrong word. Just don't understand. 
But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And, and if I answered that, I'd say Christ. <laughs> and with what body do they come? And I'd answer again, the body of Christ. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Notice that. Every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another of beasts, another fishes, and another birds. There are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's another glory. It's the glory of him. It differs from everything else. So the resurrection of the dead is a person. See, every seed has its own body. Now you are the body of Christ. Now this seed who is Christ, it is sown in corruption. Was Jesus sown in corruption? Absolutely. But he was raised in incorruption. He never became corruption, but Christ was sown into the natural man. He was sown into dishonor. He was raised in the glory of God. He was sown in, into the weakness of man, and he was raised into power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Now, if I go back to the word soul in Genesis, it's a, it's a Hebrew word, if, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but okay, nephesh or nephesh. It means a being, a living being. That's what it means. And, and Paul here tells you what the living being was. He says the first man was made a living soul or a living being. The last Adam, the first man Adam, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit, a life-giving spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And you can look around the world and you can see the earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. Now, who was the heaven? <laughs> Jesus says in John 8, 23, I'm, I am from above. There's the heaven. You are from below. Now he's speaking to the Jews there. Now he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again or born from above. Because when you're birthed in the natural, 
You're birthed in the earth. So our being, whether we call it spirit, soul, or, or, or how that the whole inside of us operates, I, I'm not here to debate that tonight, but our being is earth-minded. Can't help it. It's born into it. So it takes on the identity of an earth man, lives like an earth man, because that's all it knows. That's why the world doesn't understand the things of God, because it has to be born from above, because it's been born into the world. And Jesus says, you must be born again. And in that new birth, you receive the identity of him. Just like Israel received the identity of Isaac. When I'm talking about the whole, the whole nation. Okay? We receive in, in our new birth that of him. So we're birthed out of his resurrection. We're birthed out from the dead. Now, we only understand that that's out from the dead, just like he goes on in 1 Corinthians. It says, as you have borne the image of the earthly, because we bear an image of an earthly, of what we understand, of what we've really come to know in our heart, our inward parts, we bear that. As you have borne the image of the earthly, you shall bear the image of the heavenly. And we begin to bear that by the voice of the trumpet, the voice of Christ. We begin to hear a voice and we begin to see, and I believe every time we hear that voice, we are called up into that of the heavens and see that of the heavens is Christ. That's what we have to get a hold of. The heavenly one is him. And we've been born of the heavenly one, which to me would make us heavenly too. Even though we may not feel like it, even though we may not think like it, it would make us heavenly because our life is his, is him. And he's heavenly. But I can't live as heavenly unless I know him that is heavenly. I can't do it. Because, and this is where our soul, our being, is hungry to express that of him. We all know there's an expression. Everybody here knows we have to come to expression. And our heart is to express him. And what we would like God to do is to go kaboom and we express him. You know, whoof, rapture, or someday out here in the future, whoof. <laughs> That's what we all want. <laughs> but, but I believe in my heart it doesn't work that way. I believe Paul tells us how we're going to express him. I believe we've read it and read it and read it, and to a measure we see it. In Second uh, Corinthians, I believe, 3, he tells us how we're going to bear the image of the heaven. Verse 16 says, 
316, 3.16, nevertheless, women, it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all with an open face beholding the glory of the Lord are changed, transformed, metamorphosed from earth to heaven, you could say, natural to spiritual, sinner to life, death to life. All, all, all the words you could say here were changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as I behold the glory of the Lord, how great is his glory? <laughs> how long will I behold his glory? So our transformation is contingent upon beholding him. John had to turn to see the voice speaking to him. And that's what the writer here says, when the heart shall turn to the Lord. That's where the heart turns to, to the Lord. Turns from every other voice. It turns from voices of, if, of men, even, even Christian men, declaring good things. To hear the voice of Christ. To see him. I don't know that we can see him unless we hear that voice. Because we turn to see the voice. And when we turn to see, you know, like John, we see one in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, and we've we've dealt with that of the one. There's one that feels off. There's a measure of that one that's measured in our hearts by the Spirit of God. He's measured. The length, the depth, the breadth, and the height. Paul talks about the measurement. So he's measured in all that he is in you. So you bear the image of the heavenly, the Lord from heaven. That's what you bear in these earthen vessels to give expression to him. So I have to turn to see him. I turned years ago from my Christian roots, from what I believed. Of course, I turned from sin. I received the Lord, admitting I'm a sinner, turning my heart from sin years and years ago. But I came to a turning where I even turned from what I believed. And it was, it was, it was a, if I want to call it a trying time, a suffering time where I had to do a little, I ain't talking about suffering like, well, I'm out here suffering in sickness, but I had to suffer the belief system I had and count it dumb. 
I still do from time to time. I've just come to a place in my walk with God where I want to reckon it all dead, reckon it all rubbish, that if I don't properly understand something, God correct me. In the revelation of Christ, he will always correct us. And, and, and in his correction, the beauty of the loving kindness of the Lord is he'll build us up. See, in man's correction, a lot of times he, man just tears you down. In God's correction, he, he'll come in and correct you. And in that correction, it'll build you up. Because, because you're, what you're being built up in is the knowledge of Christ. And I can see this, this is so strong in my heart. Israel in type and shadow was built up in the knowledge of Solomon. You know, Solomon's rest, so they come into that rest. They possessed his rest. He rested from his enemies. You know, David conquered all of his enemies. And it was the same thing. You could use David. They were built up in the knowledge of David. All the, all the battles David won. Israel come to possess it. So, so we come to possess as we know Jesus, everything he won. We come to possess his victory over sin. Okay, We come to a place in the Lord where we understand to, to a measure that if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. Now that's a place in the Lord. And God ain't holding my sins against me because the, the blood of Jesus. I'm not saying you don't repent. I'm not saying you're not sorry for bad actions. I'm not saying any of that. I, I'm sorry for my bad actions, okay? So I'm not telling anybody not to do that. But you come to a place in the Lord where, where you know this to a measure. Now you come on, I believe, to a place to where you not only are, are confessing, but you come to a divine nature that's able to deliver you out of sin because there's a nature of God that's beginning to work inside of you through the revelation of Christ. See, the revelation of Christ, and, I, and I'm going to stop here, it's not just the book we read of the Bible. It's the person living in you. There, when I got saved, the person of Jesus Christ came into me. Now, the Bible declares the person of Christ, so, so they go hand in hand. So I study the Bible, but I study the Bible to know the person. And my heart has come to where it wants to know the person, you know, and I, and I don't want to discount understanding everything in the Bible because I want to, but I want to know the person maybe more than that. Well, not maybe. I want to know the person because I believe in knowing the person. I will understand all mysteries because all mysteries are contingent upon the person. He's the fulfillment of all things. So when I, when I look at the heavenly one, you know where I go to look at the heavenlies? I go to Jesus. I, that's, that's where I go. He's the heavenly one. So when I want to understand what heaven's like, I, wanna, I, I come to know him. I come to know his nature. I believe that if you want to walk in a street paved with gold, that's talking about the nature and walk of God. Walking out the nature of God. 
I believe that is a street paved with pure gold to walk in the nature of the Lord. That's what I believe. And I'm, like I said, I'm okay for correction, but just a couple of scriptures and I'll stop. I know I started a little bit late and I'll stop. But he says to him, I am from above, you're from beneath. So here's the Lord from heaven. And you must be born from above. John 3.31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. Now here's where we got to be careful. We were of the earth. <laughs> we were. Notice past tense. You were of the earth. But now look what Jesus says about the believers. Verse, John 17, verse 15. He's speaking of his disciples here. And of course, this word goes down to us. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, the, the cosmos but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. They're not of that arrangement. Just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. You ever notice that? Now, if I grew up in, in old time religion and I read that, sanctify them by the truth, and, and I have this understanding of kind of old time religion of what that meant, what, what we're being sanctified to is you're not of the world. You're not of that adornment. You're not of that nature. You're not of that character. Because the sanctification is you're of Christ. Okay? So if, I, if I'm getting a real good dose of sanctification, I'm coming to understand I'm of Christ. I'm not of the world. I'm of him. I'm set apart to God. I'm not of the world. I, why do I confess that? Because it's true. Because I received him, and what is of him is of me. Because he's my life. Not because I'm a super saint. Because I've, I've received of him, glory to God, and he's imparted into me that that he is. Amen. And we'll continue to impart it. Because I believe he's after full measure of himself in the church. Now, maybe no one individual person will ever welcome the full measure of him. But as a collective whole, as a body, there's, there's, that's why I've said this often, I'm coming to a close. When you want to come to, I was talking to Brother James, I th think I said this in one of our uh, uh, meetings in Culpeper, if you want to come to the presence of God, get with a group of Christians. You ever notice that? Get with the church. Why? Because the church is housing the glory of God. Where's God housed at? In the church. Jesus said, if two or three that's gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Or there I am in the midst. However that's worded, Brother Jimmy knows, I know he knows exactly how it's worded. But there it is. There it is. So, so you get around a group of Christians, and all at once you get around the presence of the Lord. Why? Well, he's in the midst. He's joined to you, and you're joined to him. 
And so am I. So you, so if you start sharing him with one another, he can't do anything. I don't believe it up here because he's here, folks, living in you. Glory to God. And he's after the divine life to come out. And we're after the divine life. I believe everybody here is after the divine life. I, I believe everybody that's in this meeting is after an expression of his life. I believe that with all my heart. That's why we gather, because we want to see an expression of him. And it's so glorious. I tell you, when I start sharing like this, the glory of God, the gloriousness of the Lord just flowing out of me. I, I know I'm sometimes a long-winded preacher. I don't want to shut up because it's it's this, this life that I feel that 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 I can't contain the greatness of it because it exceeds me. But the beauty of him is he's brought me into it that I might know him. And he shares himself. Now, honey, that's love. You know, in, in, the, in the love of a, of a husband or a wife, what they do, they share themselves in every way. Every way. That's what God does. He shares himself with us. So we become one. Well, I'll stop here tonight. I, I got part of it said. I had a whole bunch of scriptures and everything, and and I thank you all very much. So I'm going to stop the recording and uh, turn it back over to Brother Mark and uh, go from there. God bless you all.